down women with diluted dreams of hope for joy has been washed down the street. I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Hoping to be free, found a new home in the cemetery. When most people think about tragic romances. Romeo and Juliet are usually the first pair who come to mind. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. This line from Act 5, Scene 3 of one of Shakespeare's most memorable works is often quoted to depict a tragedy sadder than all others. Although these young and misguided lovers fell victim to bad luck and their own immaturity, I would beg to differ that theirs, indeed, isn't the saddest of all tales of fatal passion. Throughout history, callous individuals have mistaken affection, ecstasy, and lust for love. When our victim Kathy met Sonny, a social movement known as Free Love was sweeping across the nation. This concept was initiated in hope of removing government from all matters sexual in nature. The notion that unions between adults were personal and any type of romantic encounter mattered only to those involved in that relationship was at the core of its premise. The roots of this belief can be traced back to the Age of Enlightenment and to the French Revolution. Radical intellectuals and poets from that era challenged morality and espoused a belief in non-traditional unions between adult men and women. At the turn of the 20th century, feminist Victoria Woodhull, who incidentally was the first woman to run for the U.S. presidency and known as the High Priestess of Free Love, furthered that premise by believing she could love whomever she chose for however a long or short period she chose and that no law could or should interfere with her choices. This bohemian-based belief fueled the resentment of the nonconformists and feminists among the non-traditionalists living in Greenwich Village during the late 1960s, and this reignited the flame of the free love movement. Like many societal fads, this contentious ideology swept the nation and ultimately made its way to Mansfield and oozed into the mindsets of many young people in Middle Kentucky. Although Kathy Smith was four years into a legal marriage covenant with her husband John, she may have gotten swept up by the sentiment, if it feels good, do it, because she soon began to spend more time with her paramour and less time at home with her husband and children. We've speculated that Kathy and Sonny 
may have met at the neighborhood's park. But why was the young mother of two even there to begin with? Other women who knew Kathy have confided that there wasn't really much to do in Little Kentucky at that time. And supportive groups such as Mommy and Me and Mops were decades from existence. So the park was a natural choice. Housewife life at that time was somewhat sedentary because during the course of World War II, nearly 20 million women joined the workforce and another 300,000 or more served in the armed forces. After the war, many women willingly gave up their jobs and returned to their homes in order to reopen the workforce to the men who were returning home from service to their country. The fact that women earned on average 50% of what men earned and that they could legally be dismissed from their employment for getting married or becoming pregnant, most felt that it made best sense to return to their traditional family role. So in compliance to the expression, the woman's place is in the home, most women chose to conform. I remember my own mother, along with her five nearby sisters, several local aunts and cousins, who would while away the hours visiting each other's houses, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes, and sharing neighborhood gossip, while the menfolk would be working their jobs in the local factories. Having no point of reference, it's hard to know what a typical day in the life was like for women of the Gulf Shore shipping lanes. But we could speculate that Kathy's mother spent much of her time in similar fashion, as her husband's employment in the oil industry afforded her a comfortable lifestyle. Therefore, we might safely suppose that Kathy easily assumed her role of being an Ohio housewife by participating in this daily routine. However, our assumption would be quite wrong. Very few women of Little Kentucky could relate to the middle-class style of living enjoyed by their Southern counterparts because jobs in Mansfield, Ohio didn't pay the high hourly rates as those in the lucrative oil industry. Despite their impoverished lives and crude, simplistic houses, rarely did these wives venture out into the workforce. While interviewing several of my older female contacts, I learned that the reason was mainly due to their husbands not wanting them to work outside their homes. In Kathy's case, it was reported that not only did her husband refuse to allow her to get a job, he would not allow her to leave their own yard. A male next-door neighbor of the Smiths said that if Kathy would even walk close to the road or toward the edge of their yard, her husband would say, Kathy, that's far enough. Although Kathy dutifully distanced herself from the workforce, she ultimately defied the words of Thomas Fuller from 1732, which stated, 
A woman is to be from her house but three times, when she is christened, when she is married, and when she is buried. I learned that Kathy began to sneak away from her house during the day while her husband was working, and this allowed her to become acquainted with women in the neighborhood. And it was during one of her daily escapes that she encountered Sonny Adkins. With no telephone in their home, John Smith had no way of checking on the whereabouts of his wife. And with his children being too young to question, he probably didn't know that she had begun to idly spend her time with a sullen and handsome neighborhood man-child. In earlier episodes, we discussed reasons for teenage rebellion, and we applied some of that same reasoning to why Kathy stopped obeying the parental-style demands of her husband. None of the Smith's former neighbors, who were interviewed for this podcast, were able to recollect many memories of the young Smith children. Most just remembered them as being very young kids at the time, and one reported that Mr. Smith's father lived across the street from his son for a short while and may have helped care for the children when Kathy started to run the roads, which was her censored way of describing Kathy's infidelity. A local area known for its wildlife hunting, more notorious for being established as a young person's hangout, and most notable for its ability to conceal the duplicit actions of two-timing spouses or promiscuous teens was the Han Road Woods. Young men in Little Kentucky often led their young female admirers into that densely wooded expanse and had their way with their juvenile devotees. Several paths were worn throughout the years in pursuit of this promiscuous practice. With most houses lacking adequate space for privacy and most families having several children occupying that limited space, the expansive woodland afforded the local males with adequate concealment for providing their physical needs. Shortly after Sonny's mom died, his father sold their family home to Sonny's oldest sister then moved the remaining children to a four-room house located less than 500 feet away. Despite only having two bedrooms, the cramped quarters didn't prevent his sisters from often having their neighborhood cousins and girlfriends spend the night. This served as a cover as well as a means of connecting for Kathy and Sonny she would guise herself as staying with a sister, and he would beckon her, and off they'd go to be alone, usually to the woods. On Sunday, May 31st, 1970, at 3.23 in the afternoon, a devastating 7.9 magnitude earthquake struck Peru and triggered numerous avalanches across the Andes Mountains, 
killing close to 100,000 people in South America. For 45 seemingly endless seconds, the earth violently shook. Villages were destroyed, and the town of Yangai was completely buried, killing everyone. And to this day, excavation is forbidden, as the entire town was declared a national cemetery. As news of this disaster spread across the area of Little Kentucky, a sullen and somber Sonny Atkins became increasingly convinced that the world was ending, and he voiced that he didn't want to be around to watch it happen. Throughout that week, Sonny's demeanor grew increasingly bleak, and Kathy's attitude became progressively detached, especially from her immediate family. Sonny's younger sisters recalled them both as being quiet and aloof. As they began to spend more time, just the two of them, and less time with others. Kathy's husband, John, became increasingly agitated with his wife's behavior and made no secret about the fact that he was fed up with her actions and was going to put an end to her making a fool of him. He frequently drove up and down the streets around Hannah Road looking for his wife and her new flame. As the world was reeling with the aftermath of the Oncash earthquake, Little Kentucky was about to be hit with its own seismic event. On Wednesday, June 3, 1970, Sonny Atkins spent the day visiting his many sisters and brothers and congratulating three of his nieces who had passed on to the third grade. The weather was unseasonably cool as he walked past the neighborhood park, glanced toward the country club, and made his way to his sister's house. Later in the evening, he asked a favor of that same sister. Meanwhile, Kathy returned to her home, spent time with her young children, and went to her closet to find something to wear. Watered down women with diluted dreams are home for joy has been washed down the street. Grab a shovel and join me each Monday as we dig a little deeper and uncover the tragedies of watered down women. Searching for love